share a message that God has laid upon my heart. There is your seated. If you go with me to the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter. Mark chapter 16. And we'll begin our reading at verse number one. The Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Feel free to read along with whatever you have available to you or join us on the screen. The Bible says like this. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. Somebody say that with me. He is risen. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. If you slowly read this story, You'd highlight the characters that are brought to our reading today. You'll see that there was a measure of worry, concern. They had some preoccupation with some elements that were in their way. And so for a few moments, with the help of the Lord, I want to minister from the subject, the day worry died. The day worry died. The reading that we have just read, I believe, is a passage that speaks to all of us. It brings conviction and at the same time comfort and can go deep into every heart. Jesus had just been crucified and buried in a borrowed tomb. All hopes have been dashed for those who loved him. If there was ever a time to worry, it was now. If there ever was an uplifting word from God that needed to arrive, it was at that very moment. Let me ask you a question here today. How many of you have ever worried about something? How many of you have ever had your hopes dashed, so to speak? And let me just get a little bit more personal for some of us. How many of us have ever let the Lord down? Maybe even in a small way. Today I want us to look at how this story speaks to all of us. No matter where we find ourselves today. There are a few things I want us to look at. But the first one is, number one, I want us to see their faithful walk. 
Verses 1 and 2 says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Four women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Siloam, and Joanna, according to Luke 24, come to the tomb to see Jesus. The Bible says it was the first day of the week, very early, even while it was still dark, the Gospel of John would tell us. So why are these women walking in the dark? Why didn't they wait for the first sunlight? Why were they pursuing this particular moment in the dark? The Bible says that they were observing the law of the Sabbath. In other words, on the Sabbath day, which would have been Saturday, prior to 6 p.m., they couldn't do anything according to the Jewish law. They were to rest. They were to stay at home. So they literally had to start their activity sometime after 6 p.m. on Saturday evening when the Sabbath officially ended. So as the sun set on the Sabbath, the women began to prepare the spices to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus. So sometime after 6 p.m. on Saturday, they began to take a walk that nobody wants to take. They start to journey and walk down a very difficult path. What kind of walk are they taking? A walk that can affect your heart, your feeling, your emotions, and your outlook. They had seen the one that they love die. They had seen Jesus placed in a tomb. They had seen their expectations disappointed. They had purchased spices to perform the final duty of the body. They even stayed with Joseph of Arimathea until he had closed the tomb. They were weighed down with grief and sorrow, carrying burdens beyond description. They were walking what some theologians would like to call Calvary's Road. What is Calvary's Road? Well, Calvary's Road here is the road you walk when your faith is being tested. That's Calvary's road, if you can give that to me. It's when your expectations have turned to disappointments, when your plans don't turn out the way that you have planned, when something you hoped in didn't transpire. Have you ever walked down one of those kind of roads? When things didn't work the way you thought they should have. When the burden that you have been carrying seems to be getting heavier and heavier with every step of the way. I'm talking to somebody here today. You're walking on Calvary's road right now. You're walking down a road of grief. You're walking down a road of hurt. You're walking down a road of pain. And it seems like with every step, the burden is getting harder and harder. And hope seems to be seeping out of the places of your heart. But can I tell you, if you keep going down that road, I promise you, there is a God that is there in the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your trial, that will meet you as you walk down that very road. On this road, you feel vulnerable to the fiery darts of discouragement. You feel fragile and unsure of what lies ahead. This is Calvary's 
road. And maybe somebody's walking that road here today. These women were not on a wonderful Sunday morning walk. They were on the road of difficulty. And not only do we see that they're faithfully walking, what I want you to notice here now, the second thing is we see their worry. Somebody say their worry. Because now they're burdened. Now they're disappointed. Now there's grief in their heart. And look at what verse number three says. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? You ever been down a road where it seems like it's getting worse and worse? You ever been in a place in your life where every single news that you get, every single message that you get seems to be worse than the last one? You feel like, I can't do anything right. Nothing is working themselves out. They're saddened. They're grief-stricken. They're simply going to view the dead body of their master, their savior. And all of a sudden, as they're walking down this difficult road, they say, when we get there, who's going to roll the stone back? This was on the minds of these women. It was something that was consuming their thoughts and causing tension. And we discover this worry in verse 3 when they ask, who's going to roll away the stone? Who's going to open the door so we can anoint the body of Jesus? Who's going to lift that heavy rock that we possibly can't lift ourselves? Who's going to remove the obstacle that's keeping us from Jesus? And question after question seems to unfold down the road. Can I ask you a question here this morning? Have you ever been tripped up on your own believing? Have you ever been tripped up on your own optimism, faith, and attitude? Have you ever had to talk to yourself and say, hey, hey, what in the world are you doing? You're overreacting. You're getting too worried about something. This is what's happening to these women. They forgot in the first place what they were going to do. Worry plagued their heart. And worry has the power to blind you from your purpose. They were on their way to minister to the body of Jesus. They were on their way in their minds to perform their last faithful duty. And so on their way, they're plagued with the question, how are we going to remove the stone? But I love this because it appears for a moment that all their hopes are gone. It appears like their labor of love is in vain. It appears, that, it appears that all their hopes are resting on their strength alone. It appears that their difficulty is leaving them perplexed and stealing the joy of their journey. And why can't they enjoy their ministry to Jesus? Because they, they realize we are not strong enough to move the stone. They look at themselves and they see their own limitations. These are sensible women. They're practical. And they're thinking, how, how are we going to move that sepulcher? How are we going to anoint that body? There's a stone. There's an obstacle. They're consumed with this thought. But what I find very interesting is that they know they can't get to Jesus because of the stone in the way. Yet they're still moving forward. 
Not at one moment did they stop in the road. Not at one moment they said, let's just give up and go home because there's a stone in the way. Let's just give up. There's no hope. Nothing good's going to come out of this. Not one time did they stop and go home knowing there were obstacles, knowing there were difficulties. They kept their spices. They kept their worship. They kept their service in their hands and kept moving forward. I'm talking to somebody here today. You got to this house because you made up in your mind. Things are bad right now but I'm going to move forward. Things are going good in my family but I'm going to move forward. Things aren't working out the way they should but I'm going to go and finish what I've started. Although there's obstacles they're still moving forward with spices in their hands. And I'm talking to somebody today that you've got more obstacles than opportunities. I'm talking to somebody today that says, you, preacher, if you only knew what I'm dealing with today, if you only knew all the questions that I have, if you only knew the hurts and the pains that are inside of me, but can I tell you, you're doing the right thing, you're moving forward. You had the opportunity this week to fold your arms and give up, but something inside of you said, yeah, there's obstacles, but we got to get to Jesus. Oh, yeah, I've got issues in my family, but I'm going to get to Jesus. Oh, yeah, my faith is, is shaking right now, and, and I've got so many questions, but you know what? I'm going to get to the house of God. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to pursue him. Why? Because I believe when I get there, I'm going to see Jesus. Why even carry the spices for nothing if you know you can't even use them when you get there? Because sometimes we walk totally by faith. Even when our feelings, emotions, and circumstances say you are wasting your time. I can imagine as these four women are moving the enemy of their soul who was very, very upset that Jesus was allowed to even be crucified and buried and possibly already had resurrected, was already whispering in their ear, it's not worth it. Give up. You'll never get there. It's not for you. Remember, for you, Jesus is dead. For you, it's not going to work. You're wasting your time in trying to follow Jesus. You're wasting your energy seeking God. Your loved ones will never be saved. Your kids will never come home. Your sins will never be conquered. Those huge stones in your life will never be removed. And that's what the devil specializes in. Stopping before you experience the power of the resurrection. He wants to stop you before you are ever saved. He wants to stop you before before you're ever healed. So he tells you, don't go to church. Don't give your life to Jesus. Give up on your faith. Walk away from God. It's not going to work for you. It works for everybody else. But it'll never work for you. But I've come to tell somebody, you're in the right place. At the right time. Because Jesus is about to show up. I want you to find quickly. I want you to find five people and tell them, I'm glad you showed up. Come on, five people, real quick. Real quick. I'm glad you showed up.
I'm of the opinion that we don't celebrate enough the victory that we made it to God's house. You're not hearing me today. We don't celebrate enough all the devils I had to fight just to get here. All the negative energy that I had to push through just to show up. But I'm here to tell you, congratulations, you made it. Because Jesus is about to show up in your life. You could have stayed home. You could have folded your arms on your face. But you said something in me tells me if I can just get there, if I can just get close, if I can just get where he is, something is going to change. I am not of the opinion of people looking at these four women and condemning them for their questions. On the contrary, there's nothing wrong with questions. There's nothing wrong with asking, how's God going to do it? I don't know. There's nothing wrong with walking out of a doctor's appointment saying, I don't know how this is going to work. The questions are not the problem. The problem is, have you stopped walking? Because some days, hear me, my dear brother and friend, some days the most spiritual thing you can do is put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. Maybe I haven't prayed some deep prayers. Maybe I haven't gone to those spiritual heights that people are telling me I need to go to. But sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is get out of bed and just keep moving. My marriage is falling apart, but I'm going to keep moving. My kids are driving me crazy, but I'm going to keep moving. The doctor says there's some problems with those tests, but I'm going to keep moving. The devil tells me to give up, but I'm going to keep moving. My family's saying stop. It's not worth it, but I'm going to keep moving. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And so all of us are tempted, like these four women, to fret and worry and not end the journey. To be consumed with your own limitation instead of God's great ability. To go through the motions outwardly while inside you're churning and anxious in spirit. And so we see their worry. But there's a third thing that I want us to see. And that is the Lord's wonder. Because look at verse number four. They're worried. They're perplexed. They're asking themselves, but they're moving. How are we going to do it? I don't know. That stone I hear is really big, but how we, I don't know, but they're moving. They're moving and they're moving. But look at verse number four. But when they looked up, oh gosh. You know what that tells me? That they were discouraged. And they're saying, I don't know how it's going to happen. Again, they're moving. I don't know what we're going to do. Their heads are hanging. But there comes a moment when you lift up your head. There's a moment where you say, I've cried enough tears already. I've sat in this dark room for too long already. I felt too sorry for myself already. I'm going to lift up my head. I'm going to pull myself up. I'm going to comb my hair and splash some water on my face. And I'm going to move forward. And when you lift up your head, you see that things change. 
Oh, I'm encouraging somebody here today. Look up. Lift up your head. You've been discouraged. Look up and you'll see that God is already working. Look at somebody. Tell them, look up, look up. Come on. Come on, mom. Pick up your head. Come on, single dad. Pick up your head. Come on, single mother. Lift up your head. Come on, brother and sister. Lift up your head. Everything's going to be all right. When you look up, you'll see that God has already been working. Sometimes we get so used to being discouraged. We have excuses for everybody's reasons. Well, preachers, you just don't know my family. You just don't know where I come from. And so this is why I have it bad. And this is why things won't ever change. But when you look up, look at what happened when they looked up. Verse number four. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. For it was very large. What did these worrying women discover when they reached the stone that they worried about? They discovered that what they had been worried about had already been addressed by the Lord. They discovered that God had gone before them, ahead of them, to do what they couldn't do for themselves. I'm excited because while you're sitting in this room right now, God has already gone ahead. You haven't even gotten to your doctor's appointment yet, but God's already gone ahead. You even haven't had that tough conversation yet, but God's already gone ahead of you. How is God going to fix my family? God's already gone ahead. How is God going to restore the pieces of my life? God's already gone ahead. While you're here worrying, he's already gone ahead to start sorting out the issues of your life. They discovered that difficulties too great for us are taken care of by hands greater than our own. They discovered that what was impossible with them, God had already brought to pass. Some of us have gotten so used to being worried that we don't even realize God's already working. But pastor, preacher, this is how I've always been. I'm just a worrier. Well, stop. My mom worried. My older siblings worried. And so I'm just a worrier. Well, I'm here to tell you that all this time you've been worrying, God's been working. Every hour of sleep that you've been losing, the Lord's already been working on your behalf. Every meal you skipped because it wouldn't settle because you're so worried about this or that and the other. God's saying, if you'll just lift up your head, you'll see that I've already been working while you are worrying. Because let me tell you, worrying doesn't change anything. It only makes you feel worse. 
Can all the professional warriors say amen? You know what I'm talking about? Does worrying get you more sleep? Does worrying help you enjoy dinner? Does worrying help you enjoy the relationships in your life? Does worrying draw you closer to Jesus? No. On the contrary, it works out all the opposite. But I've come to tell somebody, you've been so worried that you haven't taken time to lift your head up. And see that the door that you've been so worried about opening, it's already open. You've been so worried about the answer to your prayer and God says, I've already answered it. I can imagine that as they're walking and as they're moving and they see the tomb open with a door and stone rolled away, I can imagine they're having a conversation, one another saying, can you believe it? We worried all the way for nothing. Can you believe it? We wasted all that time being anxious over nothing. Can you believe that? That our anticipated trouble was already taken care of? What is God saying to all of us? It's this. It's not my job to roll away the stones. It's just my job to go after Jesus. Well, how's the doctor going to do it? That's not your job. You don't have to worry about how he rolls away the stones. You just go after him. How is my family going to work itself out? We've got so much drama. Don't you worry about rolling back the stones. You just go after Jesus. You just pursue Jesus. You just get a hold of Jesus. And guess what happens? Jesus rolls back the stones. How is he going to break the chains over my life? That's not your job to worry. How is he going to take those anxiety feelings out of me? That's not your job to worry. You just go after Jesus. Even with the worry in their heart, they continue to pursue Jesus. Can I tell you, you got worry on the inside of you. You've got fears that are plaguing you. You bring those worries and you bring those fears to Jesus. He's not asking you to lose them. He's not asking you to get rid of them. He's just asking you to come to me. Just come. Just come. I'll roll back the stones from the tombs of your life. I'll roll back the stones from the issues of your heart. I'll take care of the heavy lifting. Your job is just to pursue me. And so I congratulate you today for being in God's house because you're pursuing Jesus. And guess what? He's already begun to roll back some stones from some doors in your life. He's already begun to heal your body and to heal your mind because you made up in your mind, I'm going to pursue Jesus. Hear me today, it's not my job to have all the answers. It's just my responsibility to be devoted to Jesus. It's not my job to worry how God is going to do it. It's just my job to trust God to do it. It's not my job to fret over tomorrow. It's just my job to love Jesus today. But preacher, you don't understand. I've got some decisions that I've got to make. 
I've got some moving pieces and parts in my life that I don't, I don't know what's going on. Can I tell you? You just go after Jesus. All those women cared about was seeing Jesus. That's all that was in their heart and in their mind. Yeah, they worried for a moment of the journey about the stone, but they kept moving towards Jesus. And I'm telling somebody here today, keep moving towards him. Well, I'm not ready to get baptized today, preacher. That's okay. Just keep moving towards him. I'm not ready to fully come back to church. That's all right, friend and brother. Just keep moving towards Jesus. Today, you take one step, and tomorrow, you take another step. You don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't owe anybody a commitment. You just keep moving towards Jesus. You do whatever you can today to move a little closer to Jesus. And then tomorrow, I'll move a little closer to him. And then maybe the day after, I'll prop open my Bible and, and start reading a little bit. And uh, I won't commit to a full chapter, but I'll read something. That's okay. Just keep moving towards Jesus. Slowly change that music from things that aren't positive to things that are uplifting to something more worshipful. And just do it little by little, but just keep moving towards Jesus. Start cutting some people out of your life little by little and inviting other people into your life. and Just do it little by little, but whatever you do, just keep moving towards Jesus. If there's somebody here today that's saying, with all the worrying I've done, I don't deserve a miracle. I've doubted him. I've failed him. I haven't really trusted him. How can God do something for somebody like me? Can I tell you, there's a word from the Lord for you today. Because not only do we see the Lord's wonders, but number four, we see Peter's witness. Look at verse number seven. Jesus appears to the women. The stone was rolled back. The one whom they were pursuing, they discovered and encountered. He ministers to them, and then he tells them, but I need you to do something for me. I need you, verse number seven, but go tell his disciples, the angel speaks to them, and Peter, that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. As he said to you, Jesus took the time to give some instruction to these women. But what motivates me so much is he tells them, make sure you tell the disciples and don't forget Peter. Why not say John? And this particular chapter, why not say Mark? I mean, he was the one that's writing his account of what took place. But no. The Lord tells them to the angel, you make sure that you tell Peter. So what is the revelation here in verse number seven? It's the following, that grace triumphs over every sin. And that love will find you in your lowest valley. How can I believe, preacher, 
that Jesus will work wonders in my life. After all, doesn't the Lord know my faith is sinking? Doesn't the Lord know how unworthy I feel? Doesn't the Lord know my past sins and failures? Doesn't the Lord know that I've let him down? Doesn't the Lord know that I've been drifting for some time? Doesn't the Lord know all the bad things that I've done? Yes, he does. But then he goes and says, but tell his disciples and Peter, go tell the good news to the disciples and tell Peter. Why? Because God knew that Peter was crushed. God knew it would be extremely difficult for Peter to face the other disciples. Peter at one point before Jesus had taken his step into Jerusalem, had proclaimed his spiritual life so loudly. Before Calvary, Peter tells Jesus, you are not going to go to Jerusalem. I know exactly what awaits you. I'm not going to let it happen. And it seemed like Peter was propping his spirituality up. I know what these other guys don't know. And so he boldly proclaims his spirituality, but yet his failure also resounds just as loudly. And so Peter was not going to be able to explain to the disciples how he had doubted Jesus, how he had denied him three different times. And so Peter's hiding away. He's feeling like the biggest failure. He's feeling like the biggest uh, person that's fallen away from God. He was devastated, but yet God decided to extend grace to him one more time. I'm here to tell somebody that feels like a failure, that feels like you haven't done what God has asked you to do. God is not here to point a finger at you. He's here to extend grace to you. Why does that matter? Because God has extended grace to us. We have failed him. We have doubted him. We have denied him. We've walked in Peter's shoes where we declare one day our spirituality and where we fail the next. But can I tell you, God keeps asking about us. God keeps reaching for us. God keeps extending grace to us. Peter had failed miserably like we all have. Peter never thought he could rebound again. He thought for sure he had sinned away his day of grace. And so the angel says to the women, go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus is going to meet up with you shortly. The one who had fallen the farthest, Peter, receives a word of forgiveness and a summons to meet Jesus again. It's an individual word to Peter, but to your and my heart as well. Jesus wants to reunite Peter in relationship so that Peter can be recommissioned. It's a plea for reinstatement to anyone who has drifted away from Jesus. It's a revelation that regardless of how far you have fallen or how long you have drifted, God has a rebound in store for you today. I'm here to tell you God has a rebound for you. And as far as you think you have fallen, God has the same amount of power to lift you all the way back up.
Are there any witnesses in the building that God knows how to give a rebound? God knows how to restore. God knows how to renew. God still has the power to forgive again and again and again. There's so much anointing and power in two words. And that is the following. And Peter. Someone say that with me. And Peter. I, I, I know we think that Jesus only remembers all the spiritual folks. I know we think that Jesus only answers the prayers of all the spiritual folks. But can I tell you, he's also looking for the rest of us. I said he's looking for the rest of us that feel like God can never use us again. Feel like God could never put the pieces back together again. Feel like God could never restore us again. I'm here to tell you there's a God who's been asking about you. Can you imagine the conversation? I can because I have a crazy mind like that. But, but I can imagine the women coming into the room where all the disciples were hiding. They were all afraid. The door was locked. And their women are knocking on the door. Hey, guys, we need to tell you something. We got a message for you. Just open the door. Are you sure it's only you? Yeah, it's just us. Open the door. There's no Roman soldiers with you. Nope, no, it's just us. It's just me and three other women. Let us in. And they come in and they say, Jesus has risen. He's alive. He told me to tell you that he's alive. But also, I have a message for somebody. Peter, he was asking about you. And Peter is sitting in that dark corner feeling sorry for himself. Peter is sitting in that dark corner saying, how can I have messed up so bad? How can I have let God down so bad? How can I have proclaimed in one day I was so spiritual and the next day I bottomed out and then all of a sudden the women say, Peter, he was asking for you. I've come to tell somebody here today, Jesus has been asking about you. It, it, it can't be, Pastor, because, because I failed. No, 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 no. He's been asking about you. But, but, but I went back to the life I said I would never go back to. He's asking about you. But he doesn't just want to expose your trouble. He wants to restore your life. Why don't you just nudge somebody close to you, tell him he's been asking about you. Me? In the middle of this crowd, oh yeah, Jesus has been asking about you because he's not done with you yet. He hasn't finished the work that he started in you. There's still some things that he wants to accomplish in your life. God has been asking about you. Somebody say, and Peter. Because Peter is now going to discover that there is one thing that sin cannot do. And I'll say that again. Peter is now discovering there is one thing that sin cannot do. It cannot make Jesus stop loving you. Oh God, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Mm. 
All sin has tremendous effects and consequences. But there's one thing that sin cannot do. Sin can never stop Jesus from loving you. Somebody ought to rejoice today. Because we've messed up bad. But he hasn't stopped loving us. We fail him time and time again. And he still pursues us. He still asks for us. He's never stopped loving you. I'm talking to somebody that right now, the devil's trying to say he's not talking to you. He's talking to somebody. No, 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 no. The Holy Ghost is talking to you, my brother. The Holy Ghost is talking to you, my friend. The Holy Ghost is talking to somebody watching right now. This service, he's never stopped loving you. Mom and dad, does our children's behavior dictate our love? Just because your kids act up and disobey and do things that disappoint you, do you say, that's it, I'm stopping, right? no, no more love for you. No more love and no more cereal. <laughs> that's a hot commodity in every American home. Not, not for you, because you've been bad. That's how we think. How, how can I go back to the presence of the Lord? How can I go back and give my life to Jesus when I've messed up so bad? Let me let you in on a secret. We've all messed up. We've all failed God. In some aspect or another, God asked us to do something that we didn't do. We failed him. But guess what? He doesn't stop loving us. He doesn't stop reaching for us. And I can imagine when Peter heard his name on the lips of these women that had come from the very voice of heaven, he said, God remembered me. Sin can, does not stop Jesus from loving you. Peter discovers that the Lord doesn't deal with us in the crowd, but one-on-one. -on -one. Peter discovers that the Lord doesn't want to expose or exploit him. But on the contrary, he wants to restore and renew him real soon. Peter discovers that whatever weaknesses brought you down can be overcome by the power of God. Whatever it is that disconnected you from God, God's power is great enough to reconnect you again. Whatever issues of life caused you and I to drift, God's power is great enough to engraft us back in. Peter discovers that God will never give up and can transform the character of anyone who wants to be changed. I'm getting ready to close here. Why is grace abounding for everyone in this place today? Why is God extending grace to us? Because the Lord sees your potential. What does that mean? That simply means God sees what you can become. Not just what you are right now. Somebody's to quit defining their life 
by where they find themselves today. Because today is today and tomorrow is another day. But you don't understand, preacher, what I've done. You don't understand where I've been. I may not, but I can tell you where you are going. You're going to a place called restoration. You're going to a place called recommissioning. You're going to a place called renewal. If you'll just respond to the love of Jesus right now and say, Jesus, take me back. Jesus, I'm pursuing you. I'm getting my eyes off people. I'm getting my eyes off church folks. I'm getting my eye off of negative influences. And I'm coming to Jesus. I feel a spirit of restoration in this house. I feel the anointing of restoration in this building and flowing through these airwaves to wherever you are today because God wants to restore you. Oh, before this thing is over, we're going to see a lot of people get baptized in Jesus' name. But can I tell you, we're just going to, we're going to see just as many folks come back to the Father's house as as many as he saves. Why? This resurrection not only provides salvation, but hear me, the resurrection provides restoration. I love this because maybe somebody is asking, can the grace of God really change me? I mean, Peter was so boastful in his spirituality and yet he was so loud in his denying of Jesus. When they said, hey, you look like one of them. He says, nope, it's not me. Hey, he even talked like, like that Jesus guy. And nope, I, I've seen you with him. He starts cussing. Loudly, boldly, denies the Lord Jesus Christ, fails God. Can God's grace really transform somebody like that? Look at this verse that I found, Acts 5 and 29. Now, this is not the disobedient Peter. I'm preaching about the disobedient Peter, yeah. But Peter finally gives himself over to Jesus. Jesus restores him. And look at the denier. Look at the doubter. Look at the disobedient guy. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Wait a minute, guy. Weren't you the denier? Weren't you the doubter? Yeah, but I came back to Jesus. And Jesus restored me. And now we don't see a disobedient Peter. On the contrary, now Peter is fully restored. And he's saying, we ought to obey God rather than man. What happened to you, Peter? Jesus changed me. Peter, how could you go down so far and come up so high? Because he's a restorer. He's a deliverer. And he never stopped loving me. If the musicians would come. And so we see a man that goes from disobedient to obedient. Can I tell you whether you're worried over something outside of your control? Or whether you have sinned and need to be restored to Jesus, there is a word for you today. Where worry or sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I don't have to live with worry. God is ready to remove 
whatever obstacles are in my life keeping me from seeing him in all of his power. God specializes in removing the stones. God specializes in removing obstacles in our path. There are many of us in this room that there were obstacles between us and Jesus and God took care of them. There's somebody here today saying, preacher, I want to. I, I want to do those things you're saying. I want to come to Jesus. I, I want to fully surrender to him to get, but, but there's too much in the way he specializes in removing the stones. He specializes in removing issues and troubles and worries and fears. But, but, but what if, preacher, what if your life changes for the better? What if God restores back to you everything you lost? What if God raises you up again to fulfill that purpose that he originally designed you to fulfill? All it takes is for you to forget about the stones and just run to Jesus. Your life can change for the better today. If you leave the obstacles up to Jesus and you just draw close to him, your family's direction and destiny can change forever. If you leave Jesus the obstacles and you run to him today. I don't need to worry about my sin keeping me from God accepting me. He's been asking about me and he's ready to save me. He's ready to restore me and he's ready to recommission me. Like these women on that first Easter morning, just keep walking towards him. He'll take care of the rest. We've got some witnesses here in the building that they just came to Jesus and Jesus worked out all the issues of their life. There's some folks in this room that could testify better than I can that they just came to Jesus and he broke the addiction and he took care of the jail time and he took care of all the consequences. He took care of the emptiness. He took care of the brokenness. Do I got any witnesses like that in the building? Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about the past. Just run to Jesus. He'll take care of the rest. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Forward movement will cause obstacles to be removed. I'm not asking you to become a member of this church. I'm not even asking you to get baptized today. I'm not asking you to jump back on the platform. I'm just asking you, keep moving forward. Because as you move forward, the obstacles are removed. You don't owe me an explanation. There's so many people that say, Pastor, I just need to tell you, you don't have to tell me nothing. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't have to give me any reasons. No, no, no. I'm not the savior, I'm not the healer, I'm not the restored, he is. And you don't even owe him any explanations. You just come. That's what Peter did. He didn't come back to you and say, well, Jesus, you know, I denied you because it was more convenient that day. 
Jesus, what other choice I had? I was surrounded. I was outnumbered. No, 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 no. Peter didn't make any excuses. He didn't even give Jesus any reasons. He just came back. I'm talking to somebody today. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't know anybody in this room an explanation or any reason. You just come. You just pursue Jesus. No one's going to ask you anything. You just come and let him restore you. Let him recommission you. Let him save you again. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this building. Forward movement will will cause obstacles to be removed and hope to rise in your heart. And then restoration can take place in your life. And the resurrection story is simply that. Jesus got up so that I can get up. Jesus rose from the dead that I can rise up from wherever I am and come back to him. This resurrection power has the power to save. For the church folks in this building, it has the power to keep us in this way. But I'm talking to somebody here today as well. This resurrection power also has power to restore. To restore the years that you have lost. To restore the things you felt that you'll never get back. To restore the joy that you thought you would never see again. That resurrection power is available to you today. All you have to do is to keep moving forward. I wonder if you could bow your heads right now in this sanctuary. Would you close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Nobody moving if you don't have to. But I just feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel the resurrected Savior reaching for some folks in this building, for somebody watching even online. He's been asking for you. He's been talking about you, not to expose you, not to hurt you, but to restore you today. If you feel the liberty of the Holy Ghost, could you lift up your hands and your voices in this sanctuary right now as restoration begins to sweep over this place? Lift up those hands and lift up that voice as you're seated right there. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the spirit of Jesus moving all over this sanctuary. You don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't have to tell anybody your issues. You just keep moving forward. You just keep pressing on. You just keep moving towards the resurrected Jesus. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything get in the way. And if it does, as you move forward, he takes care of the obstacles. He takes care of rolling back the stones. You just got to keep pursuing Jesus. Thank you, sweet Holy Ghost. I wonder if you'd stand in this building here today and I want to open up this altar for everybody in this building that wants to just keep moving forward. I'm not asking you to become a member of this church. I'm not asking you to give anything. I'm not asking you to do anything. Just simply, you've made up in your mind whatever it takes, I'm moving forward. It doesn't matter if it's your first time here or it's your first time in a while, or this is your church, but you're making up in your mind, I'm moving forward, whatever it takes. My family and I, my wife and I, me, myself and I, I'm moving forward. Come, 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 fill this altar. There's room for you, come. Come friend, come brother, come saint of God, come mom, come dad, come down to this altar. 
I'm moving forward. I, I, whatever it takes, I'm moving forward. Oh, I've got worries. I, I've got fears. I've got obstacles, but I'm obeying the word of God today. And I'm not putting my eyes on those things. I'm looking to Jesus. Come, come. Those of you at the front, squeeze in. Squeeze in as much as you can. They're still coming. Squeeze in. Thank you, thank you. Squeeze in. Come on down. There's room for you. Come, 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 come. Get down to this altar. Find a place here because restoration is going to happen in somebody's life. The things that you lost, God's going to restore to you. You're about to encounter the resurrected Jesus. And I congratulate you for being in the house today. I congratulate you for pushing everything aside to come to Jesus today because your life is never going to be the same. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of a fresh start. Today is the first day where you turn your back on your past and you look to Jesus and let him restore, let him save, let him deliver. Come on, come on.